You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. How many people do you think are going to name their kids like COVID? Like, you know, it's going to happen. No, like Nevea, like Nevea, right? Everybody yeah. in Nevea, it's going to be COVID. Happen backwards. Everybody uh, like all like I have a, a niece, Nevea. I know so many Neveas. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome to two part series of your queer story. Tiger King edition. That bitch, Carol fucking Baskin. That's right. <laughs> so we are here in the studio. I am your co-host, Evan Jones. And I'm Paul Hobbs. And, and with us is... Samantha Taylor. My wife. Maybe won't be my wife by the end of the quarantine, <laughs> but as of right now, she is my wife. So... All right, so we just, uh, so yes, we're doing a Tiger King edition. If you have not watched Tiger King, um, really would suggest it. I don't know what else you've done during your quarantine <laughs> if you haven't watched Tiger King, honestly, because there's not much else going on in the world. I, I would like to take credit for this entire episode because I watched Tiger King the day it came out because I love documentaries and I love people watching. You love crazy things. I love crazy mm. things. And Evan was like, nah, nah, nah. And then finally he saw memes going around and uh-huh. he got he got peer pressured into watching it. And now mm-hmm. he's just as obsessed as I was. So you're welcome, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, 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 yeah is Samantha's only impression of me. So anytime <laughs> it's, it's very you accurate. ever hear that, that's Samantha mimicking me. It's that's a really, you ranting. That's all really, I hear when you rant. It's a really good impersonation. <laughs> so before we jump into things, we're going to get a little business out of the way. Um, want to make sure that you guys are liking, subscribing, downloading all of your queer story stuff that you can. And it, leaving us a review. Leaving us a review. It a helps five star us. one, preferably. but Only a five star. Don't leave a review otherwise. If you're leaving a four star review, then that's basically like leaving us a zero star review. Exactly. Yeah. Strive for five. Got those that <laughs> from my retail days. So, um, but honestly, yeah, guys, if you can like and subscribe, it helps us on the algorithm, helps us get more followers. And of course, then that translates into us being able to provide more content. So if you could do that, we'd appreciate it. Also, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash your queer story. You can join the Queerstian family for as low as $3. We post weekly and bi-weekly content on there covering a wide variety of things, mostly about our lives. But, you know, it's always fun to check out. We also have our merch shop with some, if you haven't checked it, um, 
since like episode 50. <laughs> we have an entirely <laughs> new collection of items um, and more will be added over time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and you can still wear Pride merch at home, okay? You can show your pride there. I spent a lot of time on Pride merch. I was so ready. And then fucking COVID-19 came and yeah. decided that it was going to shut everything down. Oh, you know what I'd really love? Some Tiger King Pride merch. Isn't that copyrighted though? Well, not Tiger King. Maybe not the words. Maybe like something that just says that bitch, Carol Baskin. <laughs> Carol fucking Baskin. <laughs> I did see a shirt that said Joe Exotic 2020 and the E in Exotic was like tiger m- scratches. Oh, that's fun. And yeah. that's, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Um, it was on Teespring. Oh, I don't know if I can say that on here. Mm-hmm. Teespring? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else we could do. All right, we'll get it. Maybe we'll come up with some t-shirt ideas in the episode. Before we jump in, though, do we want to do a check-in on how quarantine is going? Is that something we want to do? Let's all go around and say one positive and one negative about quarantine. Okay. <laughs> Paul, you start. One positive, my mental health has been the best it's ever been. <laughs> one negative, I haven't had any alone time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go take a 35-minute shit. So I can be by myself. Bye. <laughs> no. Well, that's nice that you can do that. <laughs> Samantha, your turn. You're locked in this office for like I know. 12 hours a day. What do you mean? We have so much alone time. We do not have that much alone time. Seriously. I'm going to time it. You are literally in here with the door shut. I am all the working time. in but here. But that doesn't mean you don't have alone time. That's but- all alone time. All right, we're going to have to... So, <laughs> nope, it's all staying in going there. great. <laughs> so, uh, one positive would be all my alone time in my office. <laughs> and one negative would be... Um, I've been eating constantly and can't stop, and I'm not going to try to stop it right now. One positive... <laughs> See, Paul's loving it. One positive. I love chaos. This is my favorite. I am at this the height. This is why we're doing this. This is the peak of my career. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> One positive is that um, I've gotten a lot of things done, and I've gotten to be creative, which mm-hmm. I generally am not able to do when I'm working. And one negative is I'm very lonely. Ooh. Okay. Yes, Samantha has 15,000 friends. That's why at our wedding, as we talked about, it was all Samantha's friends that <laughs> spilled over to Katie. my side. <laughs> and then it was Paul and Katie. I mean, I mean, yes, many of Samantha's friends have become my friends. That's fair. Like Kelsey, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, she has a lot of friends um, and um, who are much more talkative than I am. So that's hard for her. Listen, when... Evan and I lived in Indiana. We would sit in the same room for like eight hours. We wouldn't say a word. Yeah. We would literally just sit and watch TV sit and there. drink a ridiculous amount of um, liquor. That was mm-hmm. actually, I think that was most of our hanging out until we started the podcast. Yeah. We talked more doing this podcast only because of this podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> different kinds of friendships. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I'm sitting in the room with David and he's talking and I'm like, put my headphones in. <laughs> Because we both work from home, so like my desk is here and his, like my desk would be like on this wall and his would be on like that wall. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he's like playing his music, he's talking to me, he's talking to like the customers, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to put my podcast on now. And, <laughs> and then he keeps talking to he you does, while you And have... then he's like, didn't you hear me? And I'm like, oh yeah, sorry honey, I was, I was busy, what? 
I just need some silence every now and then. (laughs) So, (laughs) let's get into the episode because we've gotten off to such a good start. So, Sam, before we we, like get into anything, do you want to give like a, what kind of joy did this show bring to you? Oh, let me tell you about the joy it brought. Well, there's nothing I like more than like little nuances and things like noticing just little things. And this this docu series just brings all of that. Like like when um Cowie is uh, filling the gas tanks and he's got a cigarette in his mouth in the shed, um, just that kind of shit that like people don't notice. Uh, that I thrive off of that. <laughs> so that's all I did. I mean, I just watched it straight through and it was it was joyous. Yeah. It's Samantha, so good. Samantha's the most observant person I've ever known in my life and it's it's incredible. Sometimes it's frustrating. But it's just... Observant people are annoying because I spent 30 minutes looking for my deodorant that was in the drawer I opened six <laughs> times. It was literally oh, just laying there. Yeah. That's a common theme in our house. <laughs> like Evan's like, I can't find my brown sweatshirt anywhere. And I'm like, upstairs, second cabinet, all the way to the right, under the black pants. And he's like, oh, it's not going to be there. And then he comes down the stairs and he's like, it was there. I'm like, yeah, I know. So, Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So, yeah. So we kind of like laid it out. You know, I'll start with the reading because um, did you want to add anything before we begin, Paul? Um, all I wanted to say is that the whole world is completely in shock by this show. And yeah. I'm like, this is like what I grew up in. Obviously, I didn't grow around tigers and things like that. But like the complete red neckedness of it. Red neckedness. That's going to be a new shirt. Red neckedness. Um, <laughs> like just the the crazy methed out people like hello <laughs> welcome to indiana yeah yeah it very much reminds me of the first time i went to evan's grandparents house in south carolina and not the the drugs or anything but just like people are very manicured in new england and yes. in south carolina they're like i got my six sheds i got a toilet in about three of them because you never know when you're gonna have to go to the bathroom while you're working in your shed and i'm like oh okay and that's very much that's very much yeah, Tiger so, King, just like yeah. random sheds that people have kind of built and like some maybe secure fences i don't know how those tigers aren't just running wild honestly oh and <laughs> just this like hodgepodge of things that people have put together yep. actually one thing i i noticed when they're showing all the cub petting in Tiger King, is that the people, there's these people from the community that have come in and nobody's put any effort into making the the park itself look manicured in any way. So they're <laughs> just laying. Talking about Joe's Park, right? Talking about Joe's, Joe's park, park, sorry. Yeah. The G.W. Winwood Zoo, um, <laughs> exotic park. That's what I'm talking about. Um, nobody, they're just laying on people's old comforters. Like all these like <laughs> ratty old dirty comforters they, the they just laid out. And like, all the Now dog- everybody go get your comforter and bring it out here for the customers, all right? <laughs> and all these customers are just laying on top of these old comforters with like baby cats who I assume probably have peed on these comforters a <laughs> thousand yeah. times. And I'm sure have not these comforters. I've only been washed by a hose. Like right. why were people even entering the zoo? Because it was three dollars. How much was the zoo? I don't it know. was like it was a very low price. Maybe it was ten but, bucks. But, but it was the, like the so- things like that. That's why I'm like that's like Indiana. That's why I was. So many people were like freaking. I'm like yeah, this is crazy. But also, well yeah, you remember the customer that's like, this is my third time this week. I just like, if I can come here and I can hold a baby tiger, that's all I want in this world. Mm-hmm. And that guy is spending half of his income coming there to hold Joe's baby tigers, and that's what he wants. Yep. And yeah, you're right. That is exactly. 
what people want to do. You know, that's what people in lots of other parts of the country want to do. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Today we are going to cover the docuseries that has captivated the nation and the world at large for its sheer audacity and bizarre twists and turns. And while there are so many reasons to love or love to hate Tiger King, we are here. To, we here love it mostly because it is so damn queer, along with the gay protagonist who weds two bisexual lovers at the same time and hires several LGBTQ staff members. We also see a series of other queer characters and polysexual people. In fact, it seems one can't be a big cat owner unless they are willing to be in an open or polyamorous relationship. We want to throw out a spoiler alert. And if you haven't seen the docuseries, then you might be tempted to believe we're making all of this up. We think you'd probably enjoy our episode better if you have seen the series, but if it is doubtful that we could ruin the experience, that is Tiger King. So yeah, spoilers, I guess. (laughs) We're basically covering the entire series. So if you haven't watched it yet, you should probably watch it and then come back. All seven episodes. Or turn your volume down, download the episode, play it. Give us that download, watch the series, then come back, turn the volume up, and listen to it again. <laughs> Boom. We got or, you know what? Listen to our episodes. Watch the series. Listen to our episodes again, because you'll get more out of them. Yep. So, no, watch the series first. Watch the series first. Yeah, I feel like you, you don't want to be ruined. You want, you want pure, don't even look at the memes until you've watched the yeah, episode. Yeah, it right? is. You want to look at it That's pure. not possible. That's what got me to watch Tiger King, because I saw a meme that was like, it was like, uh, what's his name? The gay guy from the um, SNL, not the gay guy, but Bill Hader plays oh, a gay yeah. character, Stefan. And he's like, this has everything. Tiger cults, rancid meat on pizza, uh, polyamorous relationships. Alligator arson. Alligator arson. It's, it's like insanity. And, you're like, and I was like, that can't be everything. Samantha's like, no, it is literally every single one of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no exaggeration. Yeah. So before we dive, uh, oh yeah, before we dive in, we want to make our listeners aware of a few things. First, as you've heard, we have Evan's wife. Let's bring this a little back. And well, I sometimes when I'm writing, I don't know where we're gonna be. <laughs> First, as you know, we have a guest, uh, which is Evan's wife and Tiger King fan Samantha Taylor. Second, this will be a little bit of a different kind of format than our traditional episodes. So hold. So hold on, you cool cats and kittens, as you follow along. And finally, we want to acknowledge our two main sources. Of course, there's the Netflix docuseries Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness, and a lesser-known source, Robert Moore, who for the last four years has hosted the Joe Exotic Tiger King podcast. Rob Moore is an award-winning journalist and author who has probably done the deepest dive into the man who calls himself Joe Exotic. We're going to take the docuseries episode by episode and break down the characters, share some of our favorite parts, and reveal some information our listeners may not be aware of. And we do want to put a disclaimer out that we will be covering some serious issues such as cult, sexual assault, sexual grooming, and of course, violence and murder. But overall, the goal of this episode, or possibly episodes, which we will have too, is to have a good time and laugh at the improbability and ridiculousness of this all. Ultimately, every main character is a horrible person who deserves any and whatever ridicule comes their way, regardless of whether their past made them who they are. As for the outlying characters who were caught up in the drama and made victims by the protagonists, we have the utmost respect and wish them the best. We also want to credit David Spade's series on YouTube, Lights Out, live from the bunker, where he interviews several cast members, most of whom are the good people who are hurt deeply by the whole sordid ordeal. But now, let's begin the exotically queer tale of 
the Tiger Kingdom. And as you listen, I want you to imagine every main character as a different house from Game of Thrones because they all want what's best for their own individual kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. And none of them think that they are the villain, but they all simultaneously are the villain. So if you were going to do Game of Thrones and assign like the main characters, who would be what of what kingdoms? Oh, I haven't thought about all that. I feel like Joe Exotic would have to be House Stark simply because he's portrayed as like the main character and the good guy. You think so? Because I would think that, oh yeah, House Stark. Okay. Yeah, because they're in Game of Thrones. They were the main family that you followed and they were portrayed as the good characters, even though they were trying to overthrow an already existing yeah. kingdom. Who is, is it Cersei? Who is Cersei it? Is Cersei is like the, so she's C- Carol Baskin. Yes. Absolutely. And she is, she's like an evil genius. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got, let's see, who else is there? There's just some, there's like the other houses, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure it'll come out soon. I've, I've never seen Game of Thrones. Actually, that's a lie. Let me tell you a little story. <laughs> so years ago when Evan and I were first dating, on the Apple TV that we had, which we still have, we had the HBO app, and we could always watch HBO for free because Evan's ex-girlfriend had never been signed out of the account, so we were just using her HBO account, <laughs> and I thought it'd be a good idea to start Game of Thrones. So about three or four episodes into Game of Thrones, I was kind of stupid, and I wasn't going back and putting it back on the episode that... Um, Evan's ex-girlfriend was on in like season seven Mm -hmm. so clearly she was noticing every time she went to watch Game of Thrones that it was back to like season one episode two (laughs) season one episode three and I I got about three to four episodes in and then the next time I went to go watch Game of Thrones um, it said new password (laughs) needs to be entered and I was like oh she you know, on. for like the first three times, she was probably like, "What the fuck is what? going on? Like, why? Why is why is my fucking after- Apple TV is the worst? <laughs> we we got away with it for so long too, and then I just screwed it up. We could have still been getting free HBO. Could have, yeah. yeah. HBO is expensive too. It's like fifteen dollars a month. I know. Yeah, yeah. So, so. all right. Anyway, let's start on episode one. One, yes. Not your average Joe. Do you want to read it, hun? I would love to. Thank you. So in episode one of the seven part series, we meet the main protagonist, Joe Maldonado, but he has many names. That's not just his name. It's Joe Strivocal. No, not Strivocal. It's Trivoter. Same thing. (laughs) There was not a dip. I know Evan's in here. I know of all people trying to pronounce. Shut (laughs) up, bitch. Why are you so mad at me? Strivoter. Um, all right, fine. Drive. I think it's Drivogel. All right, fine. That's the name he was born with. Okay. Go ahead. And then, then he legally changed it to Joe Exotic. Then mm. he changed it to Joe Maldonado. And then at the end, he was Joe Passage. Passage. He's had as many yes. names as Evan. That's all his. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Joe was born in Garden City, Kansas, on March fifth, nineteen sixty-three, and his family bounced around for a while before setting in. Pilot Point, Texas. He grew up in the Bible Belt of Deep South, and he had a very traditional Christian upbringing. He was trained as a paramedic. Oh, that's where we got yeah. the bomber jacket from. So if you remember in episode two when they lose, when Saf loses his arm, and all of a sudden Joe stops, which I talk about later. He stops and he puts on the jacket. And they're like, but why did he have the jacket? And Saf was like, well, I guess he uh, he was a paramedic when he was younger, and so he just kept on, held on to it. Saf's like bleeding out on the ground. He's like, be right back, honey. I got to go get my, my jacket. 
So Joe says in the documentary that he knew he was gay. Oh, but you missed a very important part where he joins the Evanston. Uh, he joins the Eastvale Police Department at age 18. Sorry, I got so hung up by, that he was a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go and you read the next part. <laughs> I guess we're supposed to bounce around. So Joe's... I don't want to take control. But... Okay. So Joe says in the documentary that he knew he was gay as a young child, but tried to suppress his feelings and become the son his parents wanted. The local police department was small, and by the age of 19, so a year later, Joe had worked his way up the ladder and was promoted to chief of police <laughs> in the small town. Wait, there were two police officers? <laughs> There's just, yeah. <laughs> They're like, Joe, you know... You've been here for a year. You sucked my dick a couple times. I guess you can be the chief of police. She was like, you got it, guys. I'm going to clean up this small town. (laughs) But even this symbol wasn't enough to protect him from his family's rejection. When a sibling outed Joe to his parents, he tried to run his police cruiser off the road, reporting to the newspapers and the station that he was run off by drug lords. <laughs> you know, he's like, I was chased down. I was fleeing for my life from a bunch of drug lords. Oh, I knew it was going to kill me. And I just ran they, right off that road. And they were targeting me because I was the chief of police in this town. <laughs> and because I was gay. <laughs> um, but even with the lie, Joe knew he had to get out of town. So he went to West Palm Beach, Florida, where he underwent ther- therapy and got a job at a local pet store. Mm. When Joe returned to Texas at age 23, he and his brother had opened a small pet store in Arlington, Texas. It was around this time that he, that the future Tiger King began to date and then married Brian Ryan, a man he'd met in the local gay bar. Together, the three men, Joe, Brian, and Joe's brother, Gerald, ran a moderately successful exotic animal business for the next nine years. I think it's Gerald. Oh. With a G. What did I say, Gerald? Yeah. Oh. Sorry, Gerald. Until Gerald was killed in a drunk driving accident in 1997. Was he the drunk driver or was... No, the other person was a drunk driver. That sucks. That's why he went around to all the schools and brought the tigers with him because the kids wouldn't listen to him. So he started bringing the tigers with him to get the kids to listen. Yeah. His drunk driving speech, got to have some tigers. (laughs) They go hand in hand. You're like, you know what? I'm trying to teach these kids not to drunk drive. So I'm just going to bring this tiger here and... uh. Yeah, seems to work to me. (laughs) So Joe and Brian took money they won in the lawsuit against Gerald's drunk driver and opened the Gerald Wayne Exotic Animal Memorial Park, opened exactly two years after Gerald's death. Uh, Sadly, Joe was not done losing people. Brian had been living with HIV, which was beginning to progress. In 2001, Joe took Brian to the hospital, but they never made it inside. Brian died in Joe's arms in the parking lot. That's sad. Yeah, that's actually yeah. a really good picture. Of him, um, and I, yeah, there's there's a picture. We'll have it on our um, on our script of Joe like wrapped in this. So this was like the one time in Joe's life that I think he was actually happy, like genuinely happy and a good person. He ran his pet store with his brother, who is his best friend, and his lover Brian. They did this for nine years. Um, he would get in trouble with the police because he kept putting the flag in the window. And at that time, which I mentioned, um, it, that the police had a problem with that. He was very proud of the fact that he was a gay man. And then um, after Brian dies, that like really um, shifts. Um, and then Brian and Gerald, he loses both of them within the matter of four years. And then he be- that's when he starts to become this awful person. Go ahead. Now. What? 
Uh, it was after these events that a change seemed to take hold of Joe. That's what I'm, you just said all the things. <laughs> I, I do that a lot. That's I know, what I do. So I'm skipping this paragraph. Don't skip the paragraph. But There's it, stuff in the that's paragraph. That's too repetitive, though. You said, you just said, please don't try to control me. <laughs> and I'm telling you, please read the script that I worked so hard on. I know, but you just said what was in it. Okay, I'll read it. <laughs> word for word. It was after these events that a change seemed to take hold of Joe. Robert Moore is a journalist who has covered Joe Exotic extensively. Okay, this this part is a good yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. He talks about the switch in this man who previously had been an animal lover, a proud gay man, and a gentle soul who truly wanted to help others. Instead, he became hardened and aggressive, only wanting people for what they could do for him. Moore stated on Twitter that he felt Joe looked for young men who were emotionally unavailable. People he could ply and lure with gifts and drugs and promises of an exciting life, like tigers. Mm -hmm. Also, I will never in my life date somebody that's like, I have this tiger. Do you want to come to my house? I'm just saying that would not be an allure for me. Like they talk, they talk so much about how, you know, like Doc Antle gets all these women because of the tigers and. Jeff, what's the other guy? Jeff, Jeff Lowe, Lowe gets yeah. all these women because the tigers. And I'm like, somebody, I don't care who they are, is like, I have a tiger in my car. I want to come see. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That yeah. tiger doesn't belong in America. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'd be know. like, it's what just, the fuck are you doing with the I car? Know. I'm like, that is not actually, I'd rather not date you now. I'm Bye. Like, We're in Target. Why do you have a, li- a tiger in your <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I don't know what is alluring about the tiger. It's, it's dangerous. It's they like just talk and cruel. talk about it. Like ha- the power of having that kind of animal in your hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. There's just like something I'm missing neurologically that does not wire me towards tiger. Then meth. clearly, yeah, it's meth. It's the meth. You're right. You're right. It's the meth. Um, Joe abused his staff members and grossly underpaid them, yet knew that since most of them were former convicts and runaways, they had nowhere else to go. He would stand outside of bus stations looking for the exact kind of person he could manipulate while appearing to be a generous employer helping folks on hard times. And actually, there is that clip where he's asking that drugged out girl at the gas station if she wants to come work for 100 bucks. And she's like, thank you so much. Yeah. And almost worse, he it was a pretty self-hating gay man and was affected and it affected the LGBTQ people who worked for him. Docuseries directors Rebecca Chaiklin told Vanity Fair. Here, you can read that quote. I've been talking for a while. Thank you. She told Vanity Fair, Joe had a really abusive childhood, and he always talked about the fact that his father never loved him, never said he loved his children. They were treated as farmhands. Well, turn around. You see where it, like, starts. He also was flamboyantly gay in the Bible Belt at a time when it was not accepted, and he had a lot to prove. And he was super conflicted about it. I remember when we first met him, he told us unabashedly that even though he was married, he didn't believe in gay gay marriage. He thought it was a sin. (laughs) It evolved over time, but there were so many contradictions that he damaged... He was damaged from everything he had been through. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse as a child. And he, as most people do if they have not worked through those things, inflicted some of the same abuse on the people around him and the animals. People are very complicated and I have a lot of empathy in some ways for Joe because he's been through a lot and he's super unique, creative, colorful, abusive, horrific person all at once. Which you see in the show. Exactly. You're like, you want to love this person, but at the same time, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like A friend of mine said the same thing. He was like, at first I was rooting for Joe and then all of a sudden, silly, I'm like, oh, Joe, come on, don't do that, Joe. Like, Like the whole time you're like, 
you know what? I, I want this to come out good for him. And then slowly but surely you're like, Joe, don't don't put Carol's head in that jar. Why are you <laughs> shooting that? Joe, don't shoot the mannequin of Carol and put it on the World Wide Web, like he says. <laughs> right? And that's why like all of his friends were running around constantly like, Joe, stop it. Like the people that were truly his friends, the few mm. friends he had left, were like, Joe, no. Right? <laughs> So now let's talk about some of the craziest scenes in episode one and some other interesting facts about Joe Exotic that we uncovered. Dun, dun, dun. So we learned that Joe is a country singer, except it turns out that he isn't. He doesn't sing or write these catchy songs like I Saw a Tiger. The real singers are, I, I had their names and I lost them. Oh, so there are some other singers that <laughs> They're in Evan Washington didn't State, in. I think. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah, we have the names of them. But yeah, so he doesn't, and you, and like we were watching, Samantha and I were watching this interview with Kristen Bell and they, they tell her, Joe isn't really singing those songs. And you know, you see the disbelief and how hard, and then she's like, but of course he isn't. Like it makes so much sense right. that of course he isn't the person singing the songs. Because mm-hmm. you hear him a couple times try to sing by himself. Like at the funeral and in his car. Oh, oh the yeah. funeral. Yeah. Oh, the funeral. Yeah, which anyway. is so cringeworthy. Yeah. So, and you like, and you're like, it doesn't sound that great. Like, and I think that the, I don't know why the documentary never told us that he wasn't singing those songs. I think the docu, I mean, obviously the documentary was going for shock factor. Oh, well, it's been Carol without an E this whole writing. So, oh, go ahead. no. She's got an E. All right, I'll add it. All right. The docu series was like all for shock factor. So like, yeah. if they put that in there, it would have been like it would have like played down the music, and you know what I mean. Like it was just supposed to be like, holy shit, mm-hmm. he's a country singer, and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. Okay, so we meet Carol. I thought we were going this way. Yeah, so, I, okay. I, yeah. All right. Um, we meet Carol Baskin and learn about her cat print obsession and creepy laugh. Also, um, her she has this like. She looks like the the like the lights are on, but nobody's home all the time. Like she yeah. just has this like absence yeah. Yeah. Exactly. about her, and she's got that laugh. And um, I heard somebody else comment on it too, but I've been saying it like since the first time we watched with Evan. I was like, but notice her laugh. I was like, notice how like she she's like, and <laughs> you know, they just think it's so. <laughs> It's so funny that they would think I'd put my husband in the meat mm-hmm. grinder. You couldn't even fit a hand in there. <laughs> yeah. And the laugh is supposed to be like everybody else is also thinking this is ridiculous, but nobody else right. is laughing with her. Everybody else is like, yeah, well, it doesn't look watching. great, Carol. Right. <laughs> Don't know why you're laughing about this, Carol. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> if you want Tiger to eat somebody, <laughs> just cover him in sardine oil. <laughs> yeah. And you're like... She's got that laugh every time it's like an accusatory scene. She's got yeah. that laugh to her, which I think she thought everybody was in on it. Yeah. It's very much the entire time. This is what I loved. This is one one part. Like when I first watched it, one of the first things I noticed is that she's got that um thing about her where she thinks that these documentarians are filming and they're making a very two-sided document. Here are these people that are abusing tigers and here I am, yep. this hero, yeah. right? But really the documentarians are just showing people exact. well, I don't know if they're showing exactly how they see them. I mean, I'm sure there's some like editing to flip it the way they want, yeah. but they're pretty much just showing the facts of what right. it is. And so slowly you start to be like, Carol, like I, I know 
maybe she's trying to do good for her community, but also like you're equally just as crazy mm-hmm. as everybody else. Like she thinks that she's above right. everybody. But then well, they start to get into the part where the trainers are like, I'm a green shirt. We're get to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you just slowly start to be like, you're just the fucking same as everybody else she's around the same here. she just has the money to spend it how she wants and, that's, that's all and she's smarter she's a lot yeah, smarter and, has, and yeah. puts it off better but also i i think that the docu the like they say the the directors didn't know what they were going to be making they i yeah. think they thought that they were going to be exposing the abuses in the um exotic animal world which in in a way they did but then there was so they like they couldn't it was like this underground world yeah they couldn't pull away from the drama of the mm-hmm. world that was mm-hmm. the problem like they wanted to make another blackfish i think that's actually what they intended to do but then it was like but we can't like ignore joe exotic and we yeah. can't ignore the fact that mm-hmm. he wants to ca- kill carol and we can't ignore carol's past mm-hmm. and so it just snowballed so we also saw the D- tiger king gift shop and joe's sex gel which i don't know why he's calling and the underwear in the underwear, mm-hmm. yes, but I just don't know why he's calling lubricant sex gel. Like, it's just <laughs> an odd thing. Get the sex gel. Well, maybe it's like, I don't know, that Bible upbringing where lubricant might be like a dirty yeah. word. But. Yeah, maybe. I thought sex gel was more appropriate. Yeah. And then we get into the we, husbands. We meet, Mono, we meet one of Joe's husbands, John Finlay, who has an aversion to shirts. For some reason, he said he was like, and teeth. Later, he was just like, he's like, I, I like my tattoos, and so I didn't wear my shirt. I was like, all right, John, that's so that's the reason. And people wanted to know, and you gave the reason. So yep. there we go. In fact, Joe has been married multiple times, and also never at all since he's never had a legal husband. It seems that since Brian's death, he has only maintained polysexual relationships. <laughs> there you go. Um, one of Joe's former husbands named JC, a.k.a. Jeffrey Harpentons, is currently serving a lifetime sentence for murder. And this was after he served some time for molesting a young girl. Um, oh, they also. Geez. Yeah. Yeah. That's also gross. like awful person. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to be said for the bi erasure, internalized homophobia and general homophobia with the talk around Joe's relationships with these so-called straight men. We can certainly factor into the the fact of the cult element and. Um, but that doesn't explain a relationship that lasted over a decade, such as was the case with John Finlay, who married Joe and was with him for over 13 years and lived at the zoo for 16 years. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things like um, definitely like in cults. A lot of times you find people don't hear as much how many how often men will have sex with their cult leaders. Like Jim Jones had sex with several of the men in his cult and men in general. There's the whole, uh, you can watch the Budafield cult on Netflix uh, where this guy got a lot of straight guys to have mm-hmm. sex with him. So that does happen a lot, but I don't think that explains John's um, relationship and John's never denied his relationship with Joe. He's never denied that he loved Joe. Right. You know? I think it's like as soon as John had that child with the the cashier at mm. the zoo or whatever. Well, like, he was sleeping with her the whole time, right? Or he was sleeping with all the women. Very yeah. much, but it's also very much this idea that um, a person's gay and then all of a sudden when they like have sex with somebody of the opposite gender, they're no longer gay, which is not true. I mean, if he's been having sex with Joe and was in a relationship, even if it was for a short while and was enjoying that relationship, and then he goes and has sex with a woman, woman that doesn't like... Yeah. I mean, he gets to define his sexuality. So right. if he wants to say that he's straight... You know, he can say what he wants about his own sexuality. I'm, that's probably, um, what do I want to say? Um, 
Like the, the this is choice and identity. Yeah, no, but I'm saying it's probably influenced by where he lives and the people yeah. around him. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like so many mitigating factors about it, but just like they're all like, well, John Finley was sleeping in the same bed as Joe for 13 years, but then you know he got a woman pregnant, so he's not gay. Like <laughs> exactly. what right. the fuck? Like that's they just totally skip over the not bi- how it works. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they just skip right over the bisexual part. <laughs> right. It's like not a thing. Then never mentioned once in like that bisexual people are real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we get a peek at Joe's magic show. Oh, I love the magic show. And I love that it, he asked like some 13 year old kid I think he was how like to eight. do magic. Like, <laughs> I love that. He's like, oh, you know what? That eight year old's really good at magic. I'm going to ask him how he does his magic and then I'm going to do my magic. Um, during Joe's magic act, he would make a tiger appear on stage. However, the lights and pyrotechnics scared the cats. So one day, Joe decided to spray paint a sheep orange with black stripes and tried to fool the audience um but of course they weren't fooled and also the sheeps were just as scared as the tigers because i mean tigers are pretty like resilient animals a sheep like you thought the sheep wasn't gonna be fucking nervous like if the tigers can't do it the sheep sure as hell can't do it i think he thought maybe he could just wrestle the sheep easier and if they like i I'll, but i just don't get the idea of thinking that the audience is gonna fall for this spray painted sheep as a tiger the poor sheep you know he used some like rustoleum spray yeah paint he went to like sheep. walmart oh, yeah. he went to the local uh, Walmart got the cheapest shit he could I find, know. but also like tigers are long and lanky, and sheep are like just like Short, a ball. Fluffy, like <laughs> what? I don't know what the thought process was. Maybe he shaved the sheep to like have the same like length of fur as tigers. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not, but I mean, one could hope that he tried. No, he was just on meth, and he was like, you know, we're gonna fucking. He's do. like, this is gonna be a great guy. This is gonna be a great idea. And All the right. eight-year-olds in the back spray painting the sheep. <laughs> Yeah, maybe the eight-year-old's like, well, what if you just like did a sheep instead of a of a tiger? He's like, you know what? I don't know. I knew you always had all the brains. I'm so glad you're my mentor. (laughs) Carl, that's a great idea. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, that's all of episode one, right? Pretty much. Yep. Yep. So episode one here. Let's let's do this. At the end of episode one. I was hooked and I knew I wasn't going to stop. I don't know if anybody else like got to episode one and was like, I'm not, I don't know where this is going, but I got to the end of episode one and I was like, this is going to be the greatest thing I ever watched. In my mm-hmm. life, so. I, yeah, I got to the end. Well, I had to watch it in chunks because there was just so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was just so was much fun. like going on. I was like, OK, that was insanity. <laughs> I'm going to finish the shit out of this, but I need to like a mental break because I don't know what's next. Oh, I watched it straight through, but I, I, at the end of episode one, I was still like, like I was definitely interested, but I was like, but what, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, I, I exactly. still, I was like, I, cause I wasn't paying much attention during episode one cause Samantha had just turned it on and insisted that I was going to watch it. And, um, but I was, but then by the end I'm like, I don't, I just didn't think it was all real. And I was like, wow, that was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how much crazier it was going to get. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, all of my friends that watched it, they were they kept telling me, they're like, what episode are you on? And I was like, oh, I'm on episode one or two. And they were like, just wait. They just kept saying, <laughs> just wait. I like you say, no, wait. I'm like, what? how I'm does like, it get? Yeah. What? That was pretty crazy. But yeah. Yeah, how does yeah it get I did worse? keep saying to Evan, like, oh, wait, this episode. I'm like, oh. And then, then when you start to hit, like, episode um five, where... Was it like, yeah, five episode five, where like the federal agents start to get involved? I'm like, you're going to wait. And then when the hitman starts talking, Evan is like, so so this is it. You just hired a hitman. And I'm like, no, wait, it keeps going. Every time he thought he had like 
the, a map of where it was going. Yep. I was like, you don't know. know. Yep. Just wait. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So episode two is the cult of personality and in the cult of personality we dive further into the other characters and the big cat game and what draws their followers. So let's talk about these bizarre leaders and the crazy moments of the second episode. So we start with Joe Exotic and it is the scene where Saf loses his arm to a tiger and Joe inexplicably stops to throw on his paramedic jacket. Doesn't do any kind of paramedic work. Nothing, but he just wanted Actually, people to I know. I thought I saw him tying a tourniquet yeah, I think around he it. Oh, maybe, yeah, he maybe did. did. Okay, give right. him that credit. Well, he, he had to have the that. jacket. He for let that. him bleed out first. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, no. also where he gets that now universal meme. I am never going to financially recover from this. Yep, that's a meme everywhere. <laughs> so I also love that when the guy asks, like, "What do you want us to do?" and he's like, "Just go around, do your chores, do what you got to do," <laughs> and he's like, "He's like, and don't stick your arm in a damn tiger cage." Yeah. But I'm like, also, isn't that what you were all doing? The the rest of the show, everybody's just sticking their whole fucking arms through the tiger yep. cage and pet tiger. So it's nobody not like, learns. I'm sure staff didn't like mean to do himself harm. I'm sure that's a same thing he did all the time because everybody else was doing it the whole documentary mm-hmm. series. Yeah. He tried to make it look like Saf was just like Yeah, just shouldn't have mis- done it. Well Saf like, says that he made a mistake that day, but I don't know what well, he was doing he different. Did. I mean mm-hmm. yeah, clearly. He lost his arm, but. Yeah, but I just don't know. Okay. Um Saf returned to work within seven days of the incident after he was given a chance to try to rehabilitate his arm or amputate it. He went with the amputation and said he wanted to spare GW Zoo the bad publicity. He's like, yep. And uh, it was uh, seven days from when I lost my arm. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, I just decided I got to get back to the zoo. Which is like, insanity. Jesus. I, yeah, I know. I would have never walked on that. Yeah. Zoo. But it shows the like that devotion that even someone as crazy as Joe Exotic would could cultivate. Mm-hmm. Where a person's like, I'm really worried about the publicity of the zoo. So I'm just going to bandage this thing up and get back in. There. Right. Um, so he's also former military and very reserved, which is also probably factored into his resolve to lose the arm. Yeah, that was the thing. So people are like, but why would you just amputate it? But, you know, like, you're just like, nah. Mm-hmm. Um, another big thing that came that didn't come out till later was Seth is a transgender man who worked for Joe for many years. And despite having been out for at least five years, his name and pronouns were never respected by Joe. Um, and one director was asked if they would update or address the misgendering and dead naming of Saf. And the director sa- uh, said she reached out to Saf. And this is her statement. Uh, he's very relaxed about it. And really, to him, it doesn't matter. I reached out just out of respect because it's uh, because if it's problematic, we do need to make some changes. And that was the conversation we had, which, I mean, as a trans person, I know that it probably does really bother Saf. But I also know that you get used to... I mean, Saf lived there for years, even though everybody just refused, like ignored his transition mm-hmm. and ignored his preferred pronouns. And so then he was like, yeah, well, whatever. It's fine. So, right. I don't know. So we also meet another of Joe's partners, Travis Maldonado. And Joe, John, and Travis get married in a very pink ceremony. Oh. Yeah. And a lot has been said about the so-called real sexuality of Travis Maldonado and John Finley. Uh, director Rebecca... Chaklin Chaklin was asked the same question by Vanity Magazine and said this. Listen, they were in a relationship, whatever that relationship was. They, let's say, struggled with it. I don't know if it's up to us to judge. If I'm in a relationship with a woman, am I gay? As we know now, sexuality falls on a broad spectrum and people can have lots of different relationships. And I don't think it would be appropriate for us to try and say whether somebody is gay or straight or bi. So she's just saying the same exact thing I said. I'm really smart. 
So according to the journalist Robert Moore, he was told by a former employee that that Joe made every person at the zoo sign a $1 million non-disclosure form. And the fact that the form was probably not legally binding doesn't seem to matter. But that was also like, people were like, why didn't folks at the zoo come forward? But a lot of them believed that they would be sued for a million dollars. And they watched Joe later get sued for a million dollars. And so that was a reason. Fuck that. Yeah. Mm Employees of at GW Zoo made $100 a week and ate expired meat from the Walmart truck. Oh, I love that Walmart truck. <laughs> Which I was like shocked when they like pull it up and they're like mm. digging through these piles of meat that were just sitting in this truck that was mm. transported. I'm What's like, more shocking that I couldn't stop thinking about was how long did it take them to take the meat out of all those packages? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's like thousands of yeah. packages of meat. Like great that you're getting them for cheap. And but they never show them unwrapping them. That unwrapping must have taken them days. I yeah. mean, that was so much meat to take out of the packages. Just breaking it open. You know what? Two thighs at a time. You know, at a time. That's why Saf was like, "Take my fucking arm, so I don't have to open that meat anymore." <laughs> we just solved it. Jesus. Yeah, I, and then I didn't even put it in here, but the fact that the meat was later used for Joe's Pizza Shop. You didn't put that in. I. It was too much. Oh. You're the one who was like, "You're writing so many pages on this." Well, because. So, could just talk about it see <laughs> anyways so yeah so then they later took that meat and put it on the pizzas um all of it just the whole i wish i could have gone to joe's pizza shop i don't i know if you i would have eaten, eaten all the I, meat you would, evan would it. not let me tell you as evan's wife i can say evan does not give a shit what he eats it's true <laughs> i don't i, I still don't. think about the times we took a frozen pound of ground beef out and we mm-hmm. just put it on a skillet and we would hit it with a, a spoon we cooked it and yeah we hit this frozen meat with a spoon on the skillet until it like broke apart and would like de-thaw and cook at the same time. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to read that? Sure. John, John Finley's uh, edit that blurb out. Oh no, there's going to be all the mistakes oh, yeah. in here. It stresses me out. <laughs> John Finley, Joe's husband, wasn't paid for his first 11 years at the park despite working every day. Um, well, he was probably paid you know, with and math, math, and, math sex. and sex, which is yeah. not payment. I'm not saying that's payment. I'm just saying I'm sure that's how Joe was spinning it. He was getting yeah. the math and the sex. So that's good. Which enough. technically, legally speaking, that's human trafficking. Uh, yeah, way, exactly. I mean, there's so many problematic things about that. Yeah. Um, John Ranke is the manager who loves Joe to the very end and beyond, told David Spade. There were times that I was the only straight man at the whole zoo, but Joe and I had a bond. And he that man does. He's the only person who is still like Saf even is like now like um like kind of like I'm just glad to be out of there but she um see there we go that's what happened um but he won't say anything bad about Joe but he doesn't say anything good but um mm-hmm. John Renke is still Renke is still like he's innocent I don't know when they're yeah. going to prove it but they're going to prove it and he's innocent and he's going to get out of there Ranky also is like, it's not the zoo's fault that I lost my legs, but also I was walking bone on bone for 12 hours a day for 20 years. So they had to amputate him, but it's not the zoo's fault. Yeah. (laughs) So clearly you're indebted to a place. If you can be like, that's not the zoo's fault, but I also am a Mm. doubly amputee now. Yeah. Um, so next up, we're going to talk about that bitch, Carol fucking Baskins. Carol fucking Baskins. Before we talk about Carol Baskin, I'm going to use the restroom. Okay. That's fair. What do we add? 47 minutes now. I would, before we start this section talking about um, that bitch, Carol Baskin, I'd like to say that we have our own cool cat and kitten, Boris, in here. And um, normally when this podcast is recorded, um, I and all three animals are shut out. 
and uh, I entertain them. But I mean, technically, I'm you do here. break in every single episode <laughs> at least well, once. Exactly. Because, the shoes, because the shoes are in here, and <laughs> I always end up needing my shoes. <laughs> the shoes, and then oh, oh, well, I forgot a piece of paper. And, oh, excuse me. <laughs> There's always something. Um, but I'd like to add that I I let our cool cat and kitten Boris in here, and um, I've taken a picture of him, so you guys can all. Um, See, so they're going to post him. that somewhere. I don't know. Wherever they post things. We will post something. We will, we will post it in our thing. So we're good. We're, all right. So now as we're talking about the cult of personality and we're wrapping it up for this first part, um, we're going on to Carol fucking Baskins. So she gets volunteers to clean and maintain her park. And she says, I don't pay anybody to do animal care because people will do that for free. Mm. And she has different <laughs> classes of uh, yeah. volunteers. Which uh, fall under different shirt colors. Um, I think I know the shirt colors exactly. Wait, don't show me. I'm not showing you. Go ahead. You start with a red shirt. You got to have that for at least a year. After your red shirt, then you can go to a green shirt. Yellow. Yellow shirt. And then green, then blue, then navy blue. Right? Is that the correct order? Um, It goes green shirt, goes navy blue, and then the royal blue are the interns who get to work six days Mm -hmm. a week, 12 hours a day, and they can fast pace through the program. And then the audacity of her to be like, I don't really know any of the people. Yeah. I start to notice them after about five years. I'm like, oh, you look like you've gotten older. I've seen you a lot. You (laughs) must work here. There's even this clip of her. I don't know what episode it comes in, but she's like, People who get wealthy do it in a certain way. Uh-huh. And if yeah. you follow that plan, you're going to get wealthy. I'm like, oh, because you make fucking people work for free? Yeah. That's how you get fucking wealthy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how everybody gets fucking wealthy. You pay them $7 an hour and you're like, well, I don't know how I got all this money. Yeah, Jeff Bezos is like, I just work harder than everybody else. It has nothing to do with the fact that I under uh, underpay people and build everything off of their backs. Mm-hmm. I'm just a self-made billionaire. Yep. Wait, is that the Hobby Lobby guy? No, that Jeff Bezos is Amazon. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Um, no, but uh, I will say that like um, th- it is definitely the audacity of Carol Baskins to to talk in this film about how everybody else is a cult and how they abuse their workers when she gets at least they get fucking paid exactly. Uh, you're an intern working. I know interns work hard, but it's twelve hours a day, six days a week. Come on, Carol. Fuck off with that mm-hmm. bullshit. And the, and they're not even paid. Like Exactly. Yeah, you're not paid anything. You can just say that I worked at the Big Cat Rescue, which is probably good for your like interns a lot of times pay without work without pay, which I think is wrong. Like you're going to talk about how it's immoral to trade animals, but you're not going to talk about how it's immoral to take advantage of free uh, labor. Nah, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Anything else, regardless of anything else, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, we um we also that was when we watched Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, one of my favorite scenes. So as they talk about Carol Baskin, they show um, she talks about how great her social media is doing. And she says, um, then they start showing this video of this woman singing. I mean, not awful, but not great. I mean, mediocre, I would say. Um, Kind of like a rendition of The Lion King. And her and her husband are sitting there in the creepiest fucking faces like, She's got her hand on his thigh, and she, they're so adoringly watching this music video that they've posted. Yeah. And the documentarian, what's that guy's name? Je- uh, Eric. Eric Good? I don't know. Eric Whatever. Good. Yeah. Yeah, one of the guys, the, the, they don't show them that much in the film, but like you see him sitting there, and he's trying so hard to just like, 
<laughs> yeah, you see him like he makes that face where he's like, <laughs> like trying to like be to enjoy it, right? to enjoy this, but really he's trying not to laugh. <laughs> the thing, like, okay, so you know how you see those crazy conspiracy theories about like lizard people and how they have no emotion and like they're both they're all blank. Like that's Carol Baskin and her husband. Yeah, when you see them interact, I'm like. You two have no souls. Like, who are you no. as people? How, oh, you're God. empty. Like, Howard you have, Baskin creeps me the fuck you're out. You're like mm-hmm. empty shells of people. Like, where is your... Who are you? Like, yeah. you're literally like a robot. It's creepy. Oh, I'd love to... I'd love to... Sorry, Paul, but I would love to read um, what is the difference between Carol's sanctuary and the other sanctuaries. Because that's a good um, question. As mm-hmm. according to uh, her Big Cat website, but I'd like to read it like I'm Carol Baskin, if you don't Go mind. Ahead. The main difference between Big Cat Rescue and a zoo is our philosophy. At Big Cat Rescue, we believe it is cruel to breed a wild cat for life in prison. They belong in the wild, and seeing them in cages hasn't protected them for nearly going extinct. In fact, we believe that the practice of keeping wild cats in cages is causing their extinction, because as long as people can pay 10 bucks to see a cat in a cage, they aren't going to do the hard work of protecting habitat where they might never see one. Which, you know, all of her cats are also in cages, so I don't understand <laughs> what the difference is. <laughs> I, would like to, I would like some information on what money she's donating towards conservation that's what i want to know is she giving money towards conservation is she doing any work to rehabilitate tigers in the wild in uh their natural habitats like can you did you find any information i didn't i didn't look into that i know that she receives money for conservation Mm -hmm. but i don't know how much she in turn churns out um so like some of the other differences are that um they don't so She's like, see, at a regular zoo, uh, they just let the public run wild. And at our sanctuary, we provide uh, guided tours for $36. So you see the difference here. Right. <laughs> it's more money and it's a guided tour. And you don't get to do whatever you want. You have to follow our strict rules and you uh-huh. go from place to place. Yeah. Um, do you want to go or you want me to wrap up? Uh, so yeah, Big Cats does not buy or trade cats. They also don't make their cats sleep indoors at night and... Purposely keep the sanctuary heavily planted so cats can hide. That's our cat. Just hiding. Speaking of cats hiding. They also have a no contact facility so no staff, volunteers, or the public get to touch cats. So, yeah. I I mean, yeah. There is some differences, but there's really not that difference. Also, a lot of people don't know that like Doc Antle and Joe Exotic, they'll say it's a zoo, but they also, it's legally... um, put in as a sanctuary mm-hmm. so it's, it's under the same name as hers and there's not that much difference between the two now doc antle he was given the name bagavan bagavan by his mother bagavan bagavan thank you he was given the name bagavan by his mother but while he was living in california as a young teen he used the name kevin because his kids the kids had a hard time pronouncing his name it's just an interesting choice. I know we have a good name, friend named Kevin. It's just an interesting choice <laughs> yeah. to go from Bogavin to Kevin. Right, not like Bob or like, you know, some <laughs> other B name. Yeah. Yeah. He is a doctor of mystical science and earned a degree in Chinese medicine while stutter- studying overseas in China. Pretty interesting. I would like to be a doctor of mystical science. Don't know what you can actually do with that. Uh, you title. can start a cult. I, I mean, <laughs> it worked out good for him. Yeah. Oh, oh! I didn't know this. His one and only legal wife died 25 years ago in a car accident. That's very sad. 
Since then, he has been rumored to have multiple wives or girlfriends. Some say victims, given the fact that so many of his female followers came to park as teenagers and stayed on. He calls it his apprentice program. This is the literally the creepiest fucking part of the whole thing. Yeah. He's like, so we've got China. She came as a teenager. She's decided to stay. Help me out with my things. And they like, all. He's not even clear about what the girls are fucking helping him yeah. out with. He's and he and the fact that he has to say that they came as teenagers. Why are you? Don't say that, man. Like you are making. It's like he knows he has something to prove, so he wants to say that they came as teenagers and decided to stay on their own because clearly he's already been accused of being right. a cult leader and he knows that, so well, he's trying he to like just... get ahead of the narrative. But yeah. we all have your fucking number. But Doc also, Hansel. none of those were actually their real names. He like oh, renamed yeah. them I all, know. which is creepy. That's that's yep. a sign of ownership right there. Mm-hmm. Like just as much as Joe putting his tattoos on John and Tra- and Travis, it's the same thing to like rename someone legally. Mm-hmm. Also, and the fact that he's like, I know where you're going. I know you're going to call this a cult. I've been doing this for 35 fucking years. Well, then you've been running a cult for 35 fucking years, man. Right. I know. Yeah. And also, yeah, you can see the switch that flips. Like, he's so, he seems so put together and, like, nice when the documentary is going the way he wants. And as soon as they question him about the smallest thing, he's like, I'm not going to talk about why my women live in all these houses. He's like, you can't get into my my married life. My affairs. My affairs, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so Evans just highlighted a bunch of, of facts. Do you want mm-hmm. me to read through yeah, them quick? Go ahead. Um, his park park is filled with um, women who have lived with him for 15 to 20 years. Um, he has multiple homes that he has built for his favorites. He picks out the outfits the women wear and promotes a sexy feel. The outfits are all fucking creepy. <laughs> he controls everything they did. A even strongly advised on body modifications. Yeah, um, there's only two like relatively... Um, trustworthy um sources confessionals in the entire uh thing and i would say the first is staff even though Mm. he obviously makes strange choices but he also seems to be very level-headed and the second is the girl i I don't even know her name name, but the girl that was at doc antle's thing Mm -hmm. and like got out oh yeah the whole time i'm like this is the only level-headed like person (laughs) that we've talked to this whole documentary Mm -hmm. um so, uh, and she talks about how she got her um, breast done. Yeah. Um, he changes the names of the women who work there. Many legally change their name to give to the ones he's given them. And she's the one that says changing your name is a very quick way to change everything about you. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you think, I mean, you know, yeah. when you change your name, you're like, okay, I can do whatever I want now. Like, yeah. it's a fresh start. Yeah. Just like when I get married, I'm changing my middle name to John Paul so I can be Paul Jean Paul. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one, one quote I also like that she said was, um, he would say, they're free to leave at any time, but that's the way it is in all cults. They're always free. I mean, they're usually not locked up. They're being held by a thousand like social ties and by the idea of losing everything and how they and how are they even going to go and where are they going to go when they leave which is like the best description of a cult uh, like because you always people think you're, you're just locked on a compound and you just you know just leave and you're like yeah i can leave but i don't have a way, place to sleep tonight you have no money because you've been making a hundred dollars a week yeah or i don't know how much they were making but yeah. you know you've been making barely any money you've been you're literally working nonstop, so you haven't had any time to plan or rest or mm-hmm. even think, and you're just constantly and like, "This is your family now. This is yeah. everybody you know. This is everything you have." You've cut off the people in yeah. your life. You might not even know how to contact those people still. So the idea of just leave, mm-hmm. just leave, and what sleep Where on the yeah. park, the bench outside, like, what does that mean? So one former survivor who had left told the docu series that her way to advance out of sleeping in filthy horse stalls was to sleep with Antle. 
supposed quote of Doc's is, men are pigs, women are sheep. Um, yeah. He was previously fined for violating the Animal Wel- Welfare Act. He was accused of euthanizing cubs. Four months old is the oldest one can play with a cub tiger. So they said that once they were older than four months, he would euthanize them because after that, they were basically just an expense. Yeah. Um, Antel vehemently. Vehemently. Antel vehemently. No, vehemently. <laughs> Antel vehemently. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's another word? What's a synonym for that? Ad- adamantly. Antel adamantly denies all the claims in the series about his abuse of animals and the insinuations that he has a harem of women. So he's been on his own little like interview tour where he's just going in like knocking, trying to knock all these things down. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, man. No, you like, can clearly see it. It is like so obvious. Um, and whether um, I, I wouldn't even care that much if it wasn't for the fact that you're bringing in teenage girls right. as your apprenticeship program and then you're making them your wives. That's right. what's creepy. If these women were in their mid to late 20s when they came and they decided to stay, whatever. I don't care that the guy's hooking up with a bunch of people. I li- like I like the polysexual idea of the whole um, series, but I this is not polysexual. This is not polyamory. This is polygamy mm-hmm. and it's abusive and right. it's sexual grooming. All right, so we've talked far too much, and we've gotten through two episodes. But the next is uh, the next episode is going to go like we'll get through it a lot quicker because then from here, after we covered Carol Baskin, we uh, it goes a lot quicker because you're just kind of covering the events that follow. Yeah. After so this. now that everybody has been introduced, like Evan said, it's going to be a lot easier because now you know who everybody is. Yeah. And now we can just tell you how the shit show starts and That's right. uh, how everything chaotically falls apart and spirals <laughs> completely out of control exactly so um make sure you check it out we're going to be dropping that episode maybe a little early for you we'll let you know depends so we are trying to take precaution because obviously with COVID 19 going around we're trying to social distance we still want to bring you content so we're trying to plan we're making a plan yeah you're either going to get this next week or you're going to get it in a couple days who oh knows? Well, you get it when you get it, okay? <laughs> you get it and you like it. Um, and Samantha will be with us on that next episode as well. I've been sitting back here trying to figure out what money Carol Baskin has donated to the actual rehabilitation <laughs> of tigers, and I can find zero um, numbers for that. Yeah. So either Google is like, you know, playing with the algorithm and only wants to tell me things related directly to Tiger King, or she's not donating money to, you know, India and Africa and all the places that tigers actually no, live in the wild. Just her own sanctuary. I'd like to know. Okay. Yeah, Carol. If you find that information out, please um, do whatever you do to contact your queer story. <laughs> <laughs> your queer story at gmail.com yep. or you can follow us on social media. Yep. So stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And our little succulent sapphists. Our proud homocrats. And have yourself a sodomy circus. And uh, you stay cool, you cats and kittens. You stupid fucking bitch, Carol Baskin. All right. <laughs> the end. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.